1: Presented by AT and T. Connecting
0: changes everything. Hello, and welcome to Savor a Production of iHeartRadio. Radio. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you. We have a classic episode for you about crayfish. Yes. Or crawfish oh. or oh, whatever else you want to call them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So many different names people like to call these things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, is there any reason this was on your mind, Lauren?
0: Uh, nope, nope, nope. I was just looking through the archives for something interesting and remembered having such a heckin' good time recording this episode back in May of 2018. Um, and indeed, it's a really fun one. So I was like, Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk. Let's let's return to to Crayfish. Let's return to Crayfish.
1: Uh, As I discuss in this episode, I do associate it with hanging out with people. um, Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Which the holidays are ostensibly about. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally it's more of a springtime thing, but it is like a, a kind of a communal. In my experience, it's usually like you pour the big thing out. And then we all try to crack them open, some more successfully (laughs) than (laughs) others.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, like, I right. The first time that I ever had them was at, like, a big southern boil where you, yeah, Mm -hmm. you cook a bunch of potatoes and corn and sausage and crayfish and various seasonings in a big old pot. And then you just dump it all out on newspaper on a picnic Mm -hmm. table. And then everyone just kind of, like, grabs what they want. And, Yeah. 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 It's It's lovely. Yes. (laughs) Um, And I will also say that I really enjoyed Googling for any updates on this subject because the results are this amazing mix of, like, notices of new spottings of invasive species in various places, um, potential spottings of entirely new species in various places, and in Colorado, a lift on an apparently long-ignored ban on importing crayfish from the Gulf for fear that they would become invasive. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay okay so a lot of different <laughs> a lot of different things going on in the world of great fish
0: got it got it <laughs> uh, i do need to do need to go get some i yeah mm. yep mm. Mm-hmm. yes yeah
1: actually I, I should ask my friend about where she gets hers because i would love to make like a like gumbo situation um,
0: Ooh, yeah, yeah mm, I think okay. I think the last time the <laughs> last time that I had some I had some in some like like kind of like vaguely Cajun style fried rice. Oh, it was so cool that sounds good. Yeah Ugh, well <laughs> I guess we shouldn't let
1: past Annie and Lauren take it away
0: Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we're doing uh, another seafood-related episode. It's about a crustacean. It is. The crawfish. And I, I have a theme song I'm gonna hum,
1: and I want you to try and guess what it is, and I think you'll you'll be able to do it. Okay. Doo doo do, doo do, <laughs> do, doo do, doo 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 Jurassic Park! Yay! I hope you all got it. I know my humming is a uh, well. Some have said it's off key, but uh, <laughs> this episode made me think so much of Jurassic Park, and it's finally time to talk about cloning. Cloning? Yes, because life finds a way, and let's hope this isn't an attack of the clone situation.
0: Oh, hopefully not. We've talked. To, I mean, you've talked about cloning before with with Clone Annie.
1: You know about Clone Annie?
0: I. I mean I listened to the episode. <gasps> oh no. I mean she disappeared before I got into the studio.
1: But she totally exists. Um I I don't know. I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping she'll check in soon. I hope she's not causing any mayhem. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say.
0: <laughs> I was going to say that she should she should send in some like some like correspondent like reporting, but if It's mayhemy correspondent reporting. I'm not sure if that's. We can talk about it later. Anyway, (laughs) uh, crawfish.
1: Let's talk about some etymology.
0: Yeah, because (laughs) because the the term, if you if you Google it, um, the the more proper term is crayfish, which I was surprised to learn. (laughs) Crawfish is a southern thing,
1: right? Uh, Also, also crawdad. Yes. Um, So you got crawfish, crayfish, and crawdad, and They're the same thing, Mm -hmm. okay? In southern parts of the U.S., you are more likely to hear crawfish. In the north, crayfish. Crawdad is more of a term they use in the western states and particularly Oklahoma, Kansas, and Arkansas. Apparently, in the Mississippi Delta, some
0: folks call them mud bugs. (laughs) Sounds so appetizing. Uh, Etymology note, although crawfish live in the water, they are crustaceans, not fish, and the fish in their name, does not come from the root word of fish, but rather from a mispronunciation of the old Anglo-French word for the animal uh, crevice. Crevice has its roots in German words for crab, and at some point in the 1500s, enough folks misheard and mispronounced crevice as crayfish in English that the word stuck. I'm probably not quite pronouncing it as parallel as I should be, but if you say it over and over again, <laughs> like I did quietly to myself at my desk the other day, uh, you'll, you'll start to see it, yeah. Okay. And eventually um, crayfish branched into crawfish over the next century or so in different areas. But, yeah, around the world there's lots of different words for the things. Right. Um, a, a yabby or a cora
1: in Australia um, and folks who keep them as pets in Singapore call them freshwater lobsters. Fair enough. Makes sense, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend that has a crawfish boil every year in the spring, and it's lovely. Oh, I love a crawfish boil. If you've never been to one, it's usually an outdoor event where you gather your friends, your family. You boil huge pots of crawfish, with usually with corn, potatoes, sausage, and some spices and seasonings. Then dump the finished product onto newspaper-covered tables, usually the fold-away kind, and you feast away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, But— this is another food that I struggle very much with eating.
0: Oh, they don't want to be. I mean, they're they resist it. They
1: they very much do. Usually, when at this crawfish boil event, I I eat far more sausage and potatoes oh, yeah. <laughs> than I do crawfish. Yeah. Um. But local Atlanta restaurant shout out to Crawfish Shack Seafood. Yes. According to their website, we receive shipments of fresh crawfish daily. And there's an article in the New York Times that mentions them called Vietnamese Immigrants Carry On a Cajun Food Tradition because it's kind of a fusion.
0: Yeah, it's it's run by a, a Vietnamese family. Mm-hmm. And they also have some Korean items on the menu. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta, seriously, Crawfish Shack is so good. Yeah. Go to there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on Buford Highway inside the perimeter between, like, Chambly Tucker and Claremont, kind of right over by the CDC. Seriously, it's a tiny hole in the wall and it's so good.
1: Yeah. I spent many a late night. <laughs> oh well. yeah. Yeah. When I
0: lived when I lived closer to there, it was oh it was dangerous. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. All
1: right. All of that aside, crawfish. What is it?
0: Crawfish look like wee little lobsters, about 3 to 6 inches long. That's like 8 to 15 centimeters, although some species can get bigger. They are, as we've said, crustaceans, meaning that they're animals that don't have an interior skeletal system, but rather an exoskeleton. You know, like, uh, like, like bugs or like Ripley in the movie Aliens. Hmm. In the case of crawfish, that exoskeleton may be brown or blue or red or golden or sort of modeled with all of those colors. And they've got two main body areas. They've got the abdomen, which is the the tail part, and contains mostly muscle. And the cephalothorax, which is the torso and head part, and contains mostly organs. Okay. They have two pairs of walking-only legs in the back. Four, four in total. Two pairs of legs with small pinchers in the front for, like, minor object manipulation and and extra walking power. And then one pair of front legs that are capped in these big, powerful claws that they use to to get stuff done. You know, fighting, feeding, moving stuff around, you know, crawfish stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they are assisted in these tasks by their one pair of eye stalks, two pairs of antennae, and three pairs of mouth parts. They chew their food, though, with a set of three teeth called a gastric mill. Okay. And they pee through glands located in their faces just under their antenna. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they also have four pairs of these wee little limbs along the undersides of their tails called swimmerettes that help with reproductive functions and also to circulate water to and from their gills. These things sound wild. <laughs> what is going on, crawfish? I don't know, but I love it so much. <laughs> so
1: strange. I got the
0: more I read about them the more I was just giddy. I was just like this sounds like a terrible monster thing. It really does. They're so tasty. <laughs> Uh, they, uh, and I said, I said, gills. They they will happily live their whole lives underwater. They don't need to be above water for any particular reason. They breathe through their gills, um, but they can survive in air for a decent while as long as their their gills stay uh, stay moist. Mm-hmm. They don't really swim though. They can push themselves backwards. With a with a sort of undercurling thrust of their long, broad, segmented tail in case of emergency, but for the most part they just crawl along the floor of their freshwater habitats—ponds or streams, or or the shallows of rivers or lakes—foraging for food. Uh, They're omnivores, avoiding predators, sometimes digging burrows and sometimes making babies. Mm -hmm. Crawfish usually reproduce sexually. Usually. More on that. More on that in a minute. Um, and then the females carry the eggs inside their bodies for a few weeks and then outside their bodies, stuck to their to, to the underside of their tails. The hatchlings will hang out, literally still attached to the underside of their mother's tail for another few weeks uh, through a molt or two. A molt? A molt. What? Molting. Okay, so unlike our skin and bones, which grow with us, crawfish's exoskeletons, cannot grow grow with them. Hmm. A crawfish shell is semi-flexible but pretty solid. It's made of uh, chitin and reinforced with calcium carbonate Mm -hmm. that they consume in their diets and excrete through the specialized sort of skin. When the crawfish starts getting too big for their current shell, it'll shed that exoskeleton and grow a new, bigger one for it to grow into. Right. And they can
1: do this up to 15 times and they generally double in size with each shed.
0: They may eat their molted shells to regain the minerals from them. Of course. Of course, why not? Oh, gosh. That's that's good sense. Come on. It is. <laughs> Depending on the species, they may live anywhere from a couple years to several years. And in addition to growing new shells, many crawfish will grow whole new limbs if they lose one. It's very Lovecraftian. It's a good superpower.
1: <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Around the world, there are over 600 species of crawfish, half of which are from the U.S. and Canada. In 2009, biologists discovered a species in Tennessee that can reach the size of a lobster. Huh. They're, they're kind of baffled as to how no one's ever seen it before. I, mm, Who knows? Good burrowers. They are, know. yes. Yeah. Um, and here's my question, Lauren.
0: How in the world do you eat these things? Oh, man. Uh, Well, um, unlike some crustaceans, like shrimp, uh, crawfish shells are too hard for humans to eat, so you got to get them out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Crawfish are frequently cooked whole, either boiled or roasted. And once they're cooked through and, and you've taken them off the heat and gotten them to more or less the point that they're cool enough to touch, you crack them open. And there are tools that can help you with this, uh, and you might need those to get meat out of the claw section or if the crawfish is kind of on the large side and the shell is too thick to manipulate. But for most American crawfish, you're just going to use your hands to separate the two halves of, of the crawfish, that that abdomen or tail part from that cephalothorax or the head slash torso part. What you do is you get, you get a good grip on the tail with one hand and, and the torso with your other hand and you sort of you sort of pinch down at the right at the division in between the two sections and the the sections are clear because the, the torso head is smooth and hard uh, with a carapace and the tail part is is segmented and a little bit bendier mm. and and then you just sort of bend twist and pull at the same time and the two halves will come apart in theory hypothetically once you do so, the tail contains a sort of dense, spongy meat that, that pulls apart in threads, sort of like pulled pork. But it has a, a clean, slightly sweet, slightly earthy, briny, seafoody taste. And it's pretty easy to, to just pull it out or pick it out with a fork. Mm-hmm. The head, meanwhile, contains a sort of soupy, spongy bit of meat that's a little bit more savory and uh, gamey. Than the tail and more heavily flavored. It's going to be more heavily flavored with whatever spices you've added to your boil or your roasting pan. To get the full experience, you both pick out the tail meat and suck the meat out of the torso head. It's important to suck the head. <laughs> I've heard that, Lauren. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I I just have I struggle a lot. Oh, with, me me too. Yeah. My that the crawfish boil I go to every year. I'm I'm always the one that's just failing, and everyone else <laughs> has it down. And
0: they've eaten like a billion, and yes, just, and you've
1: had like two. Yes, and like I barely got anything out of either of them, <laughs> and my hands are bleeding somehow. <laughs> oh, <me too. laughs> yes. I always cut myself.
0: I always cut myself on the shell edges. It's we're just uh, the crawfish are winning against us, Lauren. Yeah, though yeah. to be fair, I didn't go to a boil until I was like. 30 i think oh so, yeah yeah so i've i haven't had i'm i'm still learning yeah. okay it's a process it is <laughs> it's a skill and there's time
1: lauren there's time
0: and aside from it being difficult uh some people do not eat crawfish because they are not kosher um, and or they object to the fact that crawfish are generally alive when they are cooked right um they're there is some scientific disagreement about whether crawfish and other crustaceans can feel pain and therefore whether it's cruel to cook them alive. The thing is, like they, they don't have brains or central nervous systems. The general consensus is that it would be kinder to knock crustaceans out before cooking them, either stunning them with cold or with electric shock, or by just, just quickly removing or otherwise mechanically destroying the, 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 the ganglia or, or the nerve bundles that help these crustaceans coordinate their responses to stimuli. Mm-hmm. But it, it is physically impossible, as far as humans know, for crawfish and other crustaceans to experience the negative feedback loop that we do when we experience pain. Like we have a sensation of hurt and then the emotion of being upset about it, which can intensify the sensation of hurt. Uh, that's that's how human things work. <laughs> they do not have that. Anyway, hmm. if you do choose to eat them— Well, crawfish
1: tails are relatively low-calorie, low-fat, a good source of protein with a decent amount of calcium, iron, phosphorus, and B vitamins. Mm -hmm. They are popular food during Lent when Catholics don't eat meat on Fridays. You can find them in a lot of Cajun or Creole
0: cuisine like étouffée and gumbo. You can also put their meat in anything that you would use lobster or shrimp for, and their shells and spare bits are really good for making stock. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think crawfish have a, have a bit of a reputation as being like dirty, you know, like, like oh, they're bottom feeders. Right. Um, maybe partially because of their flavor. Um, maybe it's just classism. Maybe. But, uh, but crawfish actually have a very low tolerance for, for pollution. Healthy populations of crawfish are a benchmark of water quality in areas where they live. And they prefer to eat living stuff to dead stuff. Though they're pretty opportunistic. They'll eat basically whatever they can get a hold of. Sure. I thought kind of to this point. I as a kid thought
1: crawfish was crawl fish. Crawl Ooh. Because huh. they crawl sure. on the ground. Yeah. And that therefore they might be dirty. Yeah. Um And I think we're going to talk a a little bit more about other reasons that might be in a bit. But for now, let's look at some numbers. Crawfish numbers. Crawfish
3: numbers.
1: (laughs) Um, When I think of crawfish, I think of Louisiana. Sure. Um, Most of the crawfish consumed in the U.S., which is— Around 90% in 2012 come from Louisiana, with more than 1,600 farmers on 111,000 acres of ponds, producing 100 million pounds, amounting to about $210 million a year for the state. Wow. Farm-raised crawfish make up 88% of U.S. commercial sales. Crawfish season is still a big deal there, both industrially and culturally. <laughs> and I will say a quick note about those numbers. I saw a lot of differing numbers mm-hmm. but all within that range. And that was oh, okay. those were from the Smithsonian magazine report on it. So I'm gonna hope that those were pretty 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 on 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 point. Yeah. Close. Crawfish season does peak in April when the floodwaters force the crawfish out of their burrows, but it can go anywhere from November to June due to crawfish farming. And even though Louisiana crawfish, you think of Louisiana, but you can find them in Brazil, France, Spain, Portugal, Kenya, and Uganda, among other places. Oh, yeah, they've
0: been exported uh, for to, to be farmed to yes. many other places. Absolutely. And I did see a lot of these when I was in
1: Wuhan, China, uh, jia, which translates to small dragon shrimp. I saw so many people on the streets with these big buckets. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never tried them. But, oh, um, yeah. oh, man. <laughs> I was very nervous. Like, I, I knew I couldn't eat them in the U.S., and I was like, I don't need to make a fool of myself in China more <laughs> than I already am. Um, they first arrived to China in the 1940s.
0: The, the Louisiana... Uh, Crawfish. Crawfish, yeah. Yeah, and while they are a
1: popular foodstuff in the country, they do present a problem for some of the native fish population and important commercial plants like uh, rice and lotus. Um, Farmers, knowing that the species is invasive and destructive to their rice paddies, may still keep a pond full of them because they make them more money than the rice does. And I read uh, an interview with one of the farmers that does this, and he said he would prefer—he makes more money off of crawfish, and if he could— that's all he would make his money off of. Oh, wow. As opposed to rice. Huh. Rice ponds are a great environment for crawfish. In Louisiana, a lot of flooded rice fields have been turned into crawfish ponds. Yeah,
0: or some farmers will do rice one year and then crawfish the next and switch them back and forth.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in recent years, there has been some controversy over. Chinese crawfish in American stores appearing under names that imply that they are from Louisiana. Ah. The Louisiana Crawfish Association claims that Chinese crawfish are treated with an antibiotic banned here in the U.S., chloramphenicol. A law passed in the U.S. in 2008 requires that when a patron asks where a crawfish comes from at a Louisiana restaurant, they have to tell you. It's called colloquially The ask-before-you-eat law.
0: Ah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, But like Annie said earlier, there are species of crawfish native to lots of places around the world. North America does have the highest biodiversity of crawfish species and some of the most popular for eating. Crawfish have traditionally been on the less popular end of the seafood industry, but it is expected to grow globally in coming years. But that is the future. Yes. Let's look at the past. Let's. But first...
2: Pitches just
3: being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th.
1: And we're back.
0: Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank
1: you. And we're back with history.
0: Yes. The ancient Greeks are said to have enjoyed crawfish along with a bunch of other shellfish, although... The same words were often used interchangeably at the time for freshwater crawfish and saltwater lobsters of various sorts, and even sometimes for crabs. So thanks for nothing, ancient Greeks. Yeah.
1: Um, We talked a bit about the Acadians, the ancestors of the Cajuns that came from Canada down to Louisiana in our Jambalaya episode. They often get the credit for introducing crawfish to Louisiana, but the indigenous people of the region were certainly eating crawfish before they arrived. Long before. Yeah. Yeah. They used reeds baited with venison to catch them. When the Acadians arrived around 1755, they quickly discovered that the swamps and bayou that they settled near were full of these (laughs) weird-looking things. <laughs> and thanks to their familiarity with lobster catching in Canada and their close proximity with the indigenous peoples of the region, it didn't take people long for them to become, for crawfish to become a favorite among the settlers. The first known record of commercial crawfish in the States dates back to 1,800, 23,400 pounds, worth about $2,140, according to this calculator I found That's about $41,000 in today's money. Oh, wow. Although commercial sales didn't really start until the 1800s were coming to a close with the introduction of larger nets that made harvest easier. In 1908, with the help of technological advances and industrialization, the number of commercial crawfish reached 88,000 pounds, valued at $3,600, or over $93,000 in today's money. So that's a... Pretty big
0: boost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of industrialization, commercial crawfish farming in man-made ponds got its start in the 1960s, which really upped the quality of, of crawfish production. Before then, crawfish were, were really just harvested from their native environments. And this was the first time that people were using aquaculture to farm crawfish. It was partially due to interest and partially because with the rise of mass industry, many rivers around the world became too polluted for crawfish to survive on their own. Mm -hmm. And from there,
1: the industry only grew and is now the largest freshwater crustacean industry in the country. Before this innovation, crawfish had been deemed a poor man's food. Um, Up to this point, for a lot of people, crawfish was the bait you would use to catch actual, quote, food. food. Um, But the 1960s and man-made ponds changed that, and of course the price rose from about five cents a pound to about 25 cents a pound, or around $2 in today's money. 1960 saw the first Broadbridge Crawfish Festival to celebrate Broadbridge being dubbed Crawfish Capital of the World. The festival's goal was to improve the reputation of the crawfish. And it still takes place every year to this day. A court of crawfish royalty is chosen. (laughs) The queen gets to wear this fantastic cape and wield a scepter. I've never realized how much I want to wield a scepter until doing these episodes. (laughs) USA Today listed it as one of the top ten food festivals in the U.S. So if you ever have a chance to check it out, do so. Do so. Absolutely. A couple of years into the 60s, AJ Judas Jr., aka The Crazy Frenchman, imported bags of crawfish from Brobridge to his family port Arthur store, Judas's French Market. After he opened his second store in 1978, he served them there too. And the main reason I wanted to touch on this is because in 1963, Judas introduced Texas to the sport of crawfish racing. I'll say it again. Crawfish racing. Crawfish racing. Ca- crawfish racing. A Texas governor, no joke, appointed Judas a Texas crawfish racing commissioner. <laughs> His reasoning: to quote, ensure that no unscrupulous characters got into the crawfish racing industry in the great state of Texas. <laughs> I apologize to everyone from Texas. <laughs> I'm really bad at southern accents, and I I can't <laughs> differentiate. <laughs> I, I gave it a swing and I missed.
0: Oh, uh, it's it's okay. I I think I think, you know, like the feeling was there. Yeah. Yeah. The passion.
1: Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs>
0: um
1: Louisianans elected their first Cajun governor, Edwin Edwards, in 1972. And his campaign slogan was Cajun Power. And the image it commonly came with was of a clenched fist reminiscent of the Black Power fist, but in the fist was a crawfish. <laughs> hmm Huh. About a decade later, in 1983, Louisiana became the first state to have a state crustacean, the crawfish.
0: Five other states in this, our glorious union, have official crustaceans. Yeah. Uh, crabs in Maryland and Oregon, shrimp in Alabama and Texas, and lobsters in Maine. I went on a serious rabbit hole about this. <laughs> I love this stuff. <laughs> it's pretty excellent and ridiculous.
1: With even more technological innovations in the 1980s that allowed the safe shipping of live crawfish around the country, popularity of them drove up even more. Um, Paul Prudhomme, who we've mentioned a couple of times, he helped introduce this ingredient to a wider audience. Mm -hmm. And in March 2017, Louisiana Lieutenant Governor pardoned Amelie, the crawfish, saving her from boiling (laughs) at the inaugural crawfish pardoning brought to you by (laughs) Zatarans. so they're going to part in a crawfish now, a la the turkey. Yeah, once a year. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's lovely. Live free, Emily.
0: I said Amelie, but I believe it's Emily. Or Emile. <laughs> Who knows? I don't French. I apologize. We, we have some more crawfish signs for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid
1: erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
2: Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> <laughs> Give me museums! South Boa Park. Give me a woo! coaster! What's that spell? Sand! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism and Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus
3: Features presents Back to Black.
2: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
3: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know this. I ain't no spy, girl.
3: Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. <laughs> On the big screen.
2: I want to be remembered
3: for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters, May 17th.
0: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, okay, the science section on this one is about m- mutants and genetics gone awry and fear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bald crawfish fear.
1: Yeah. Here are some headlines for you. From the BBC, new crayfish that doesn't need males to mate becomes (sighs) all-powerful. From the AJC, who needs a man? All-female mutant crayfish taking over the world, scientists say. (laughs) From Science Magazine, an aquarium accident may have given this crayfish the DNA to take over the world. And from The Guardian, (laughs) shell-shock. Why crayfish replicants are taking over. Oh, my goodness. We, yeah, we need to batten down the hatches. <laughs> Apparently. We need to take some crawfish slash crayfish protection. We need to figure some things out, Lauren. We I need an escape plan. We, we do.
0: Maybe this, is, maybe this is what clone Annie is working on.
1: Oh, my gosh. She's probably behind this somehow.
0: <laughs> oh no. uh, okay,
1: what, what is actually going on here? Okay, well, this whole thing got started at a German pet shop in the 1990s. And I would just like to say that that sounds exactly like how a whole lot of horror movies start. (laughs) (laughs) And or comic books. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. This is like a superhero origin story. It is. Or the beginning of the end of the world. I'm not comforting anyone. Nope. All right. So one of the female crayfish, and I'm probably going to start saying crayfish because that is the more popular term. That is what almost all of these articles used. Okay. Uh, One of the female crayfish in the aquarium, an ancestor of the sloth crayfish found in Florida and Georgia, mutated, gaining an extra pair of chromosomes, which may or may not be the actual cause of their newfound ability to reproduce asexually. Yeah. Because
0: they can reproduce asexually now. Yep.
1: They, they can. Um, this mutation allows them to reproduce without males. Hundreds of eggs at once, all clones, and all of those offspring had the same mutation. Wow. In three months, one will multiply into 200 or 300. Wow. This species is known as the marbled crayfish. And again, it's like Parasite Eve. Parasite <laughs> Eve comes up again. <laughs> Who knew? For a while, they were really popular in the pet business, particularly in Germany, sometimes known there as the Texas crayfish but more commonly as of 2003, cribs. But they would pretty rapidly overfill your aquarium, as you might guess. So people were releasing them into the wild. Oh, no. Yeah, where they spread. Don't do that. I mean, right. But (sighs) then what do you do?
0: Oh, goodness.
1: (laughs) You have a crawfish boil like every week. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Yeah, so they were released into the wild, and they spread and spread and and. They threaten other wild species of crawfish. (laughs) In North America, you can buy marbled crayfish. This is so strange, switching back and forth. Um, Apart from uh, in two states that have banned the sale of them. But you're warned against keeping them as pets, and you can't sell them at all in the European Union. They are a particular problem in Madagascar. Since they first arrived in 2007, there are now millions of them, and seven native species are threatened. For added sci fi the ones found in the U.S. are blue, like bright blue. Bright, like blueberry blue. Yeah, which it seems has to do with how much they socialize, which is excellent. Because oh. they they're blue, because they have no friends. <laughs> See? Huh. Um, and another pretty great thing is that they're often compared to Star Trek's tribbles.
0: Oh, yeah, they're like spiny, clawed Tribbles, oh.
1: yeah. Goodness. And if you're not familiar with Star Trek, what, can you explain what tribbles are?
0: Oh, tribbles are these little these little fuzzy puff balls, about maybe like the size of a softball, mm-hmm. um, a little bit oblonger than that, I suppose. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, there's a whole trouble with tribbles that happens yeah. in the original Star Trek, and is then revisited um, on the show Deep Space Nine, yeah. uh, where it's it's nothing but confusing Klingon makeup and uh, mini skirts and tribbles everywhere because they also, they, they reproduce. I don't know. Very quickly. Very quickly. It's very, never. Very much. I don't think it's ever made really explicitly clear if it's like a budding process. Sure. Like like gremlins.
1: Yes, I did I, see a lot of gremlins references. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, trials and tribulations.
0: Trials. Right. That's
1: the yes, name of yeah. the mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, back on track. Some scientists think the marbled crayfish could provide some insight into the development and growth of tumors. Huh. The DNA has been sequenced and everything, um, which is a first for crayfish and any of its close relatives. The process took years and was not easy. Uh, Another mystery of the natural world that scientists are hoping the marbled crayfish will help solve, the reason why so many animals have sex. Huh. Asexual female cloning species only make up about 1 in 10,000 species. And the residing theory for that is that they don't last that long, um, that maybe having sex gives you, exposes you to more germs. Or
0: well, and, and, and uh, yeah, the dif- differentiation in, in, in DNA, DNA can yeah. Yeah, help give you, um, you know, can help you evolve and give you chances at getting a good evolution. Right. Yeah. Or a good mutation, rather, sorry. Yeah.
1: Um, and since this is a newish species, scientists are watching pretty closely to see... What's going to happen? Um, hmm. Yeah. I also read that the mutation perhaps didn't happen in Germany at all, but in the U.S. in 1995. And from there, the owner of this mutated crayfish gave all the offspring to pet stores, some of which passed them along to Europe, and then maybe the Germany story picks up. Huh. They definitely were popular in Germany, and there's definitely a lot of references to... An
0: aquarium in Germany. This genuinely sounds like a Michael Crichton novel. Like I know that we were making jokes about Jurassic Park earlier, but like, like life finds a way. Life finds a way, and and yeah, and like the frogs becoming yeah asexual, and the huh, yeah all the dinosaurs are female. Are female. Yeah, but they found a way. But they, huh. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh and also <laughs> unrelated probably uh, probably does anyone else <laughs> remember that story from about a year ago of an army of crawdads now i'm saying crawdads roaming the streets of New Mexico even though there was no source of water
0: nearby does anyone remember that i had no idea what you were talking about but you wrote it in the notes and i went and looked it up and the i mean yeah the news stories about it are like are like well i was hanging out in my driveway and then i noticed that a whole bunch of crawfish were strolling down the street. (laughs) And so I started putting them in buckets and putting them in the local like drainage ditch so that they wouldn't dry out. That's it. I mean, it was just like like, no one knows why. Mm -hmm. All these crawfish were just like (laughs) down the road. But Uh, they were. Perhaps
1: we should be taking them a little more seriously. (laughs) That's all I can say. Ooh, man. Well, that is... (laughs) Our
0: crawfish episode and it was so fun to research. Oh yeah, I mm, um, it also made me really excited to do a, a lobster episode because lobsters are similar but different enough that they're super fascinating. And yeah,
1: I, I guess if crawfish is a kind of regionalized term, how many people
0: were like, "No, it's crayfish the this whole, whole time"? Oh yeah, sorry about it, folks. Yeah, I wasn't really like I said, I wasn't really introduced to them until I came to Atlanta. And so, therefore, even though I'm from South Florida and the North, I picked up the word crawfish because that's what everyone here calls yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least, at least I haven't like southernized enough to the point that I'm like crawdaddies. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. There's always time. There's always time. And then, as you learn, once you say
1: crawdaddies, that's when you have the method of eating them down. I oh, bet that's the natural yeah. progression. <laughs>
0: it's the evolution of language. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Well, we look forward to that day. We do. And that brings us to the end of this classic episode. We hope that you enjoyed it as much as we loved revisiting it. Um, As always, whatever you're celebrating, we hope that you're safe, happy, and we love hearing from you about the foods that you eat. I remember that you cook and eat because I remember specifically uh, people have sent in their menus, and I love how... All across the board they are.
0: Oh yeah. Oh absolutely.
1: My mom, she's fine, but she had COVID. And so oh. we're doing a much like lower key uh, okay. thing this year. And we're we're making some seafood based oh uh, situations that I'm very excited about. But oh, yeah i do love hearing especially like stuff like Friendsgiving, where it's just like everyone shows up with something
0: with something <laughs> yeah and you're kind of like and you're kind of like you eat this like on uh, this is your tradition like what is that like oh it's so wonderful yeah i love yeah. it
1: it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and i can see crayfish being involved in something like that um so please let us know we do love hearing about about that um and about how all of you are doing uh if you would like to send us something, you can. You can email us at hello at
0: saverpod.com. And we're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. And with new Pronamel Repair Mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended
1: brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
2: Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation!